So Numbers 32, let's get into this. Last week, try not to spend too much time recapping. We saw the Lord calling Israel to take vengeance on the Midianites. And the Midianites there were tied with the Moabites, who after Baal had tried to curse Israel, after Balak, the king of Moab, hired him. He failed in that, though he tried four times. Remember, he counseled Balaam to send in their temple prostitutes to invite the children of Israel to their Baal worship that was grossly rooted in sexual immorality. And we saw that it didn't take a curse upon Israel that failed. All they needed to do was be invited to sin, and they just stumbled, and it was like a domino effect. So many had fallen into that sin. Remember, a, a plague broke out, and then it had to be stopped by Phineas and other leaders. And at the end, there was some was it 24,000 or 32,000 that had passed from that plague? And then some time had passed, and no doubt in that time, God gave those Moabites and Midianites time to repent, and they weren't ignorant of the things of God. They were both relatives of the Israelites, the Midianites being a descendant of Abraham when he had other children with Keturah after Sarah passed away, and the Moabites being a descendant of Lot, you know, Abraham's nephew. And so they had knowledge of the living God. No doubt they had knowledge of the promise that God had given to Israel that through Israel, the Messiah, the Savior of the world would come. And so even after stumbling Israel, and you would think even seeing the plague that broke out, as well as the way that God made a way of, you know, salvation and healing through the repentance you think that would have gotten their attention and who knows maybe we'll get to glory and we'll find out a few of those Midianites and Moabites repented but for the most part they didn't and then we came there to number third numbers 31 after that period of time given to repent and, and you see that in scripture oftentimes where someone gets called out and then the Lord gives them time to repent go read the letters to the seven churches and uh, there's at least one if not multiple churches there that the Lord says, I've given you time to repent. I've given you season. You know, you're called to repentance. Now I've given you that time. And listen, between him saying repent and giving us that time to repent, we want to repent. You don't want to come to the end. Well, you've had time to repent. Now it's time to be dealt with. And so what is, what's good to do is when you're called to repent, to do it right away. And don't say, well, I'm going to take some time to repent. We, 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 we don't want to abuse God's mercy. But he gives that time. And he'd given time to the Midianites and the Moabites, and they didn't take it. And we saw in Numbers 31 that God called the Israelites to go and to be his tool to exercise vengeance upon those Midianites. And we also talked about how vengeance belongs to the Lord. You know, we don't take that out of context and say, okay, the Lord's called me to go exact vengeance on my enemies. That belongs to the Lord. And it's wonderful to give that to the Lord and give vindication to the Lord. And, and too many people waste their life seeking vengeance and vindication. Much easier to forgive, take note, stay away from if you need to, and commit folks to the Lord in prayer. But in this case, God used Israel to be that, you know what, tool to bring vengeance upon the Midianites. And we saw that call to war. And then we really related it to the spiritual warfare we're called to, that we won't wrestle against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. And we saw that call for them to arm themselves. We looked at the full armor of God there in Ephesians. And we saw how they went out in faith. Not one of them lost their lives. And uh, so if you weren't with us last week, you know, we got deep into spiritual warfare and so forth. 
And I think there were a lot of uh, great truths put forth to help in that area and kind of understand the spiritual battle that we're in. So now we come here to Numbers 32. And again, remember that second generation, that first generation's passed away who didn't have faith to go into that promised land. We're almost on year 40. The second generation has been raised up and they're on the cusp of going in. And meanwhile, before going across the Jordan West into that promised land, modern day Israel today, they're out in modern day Jordan, where modern day Jordan is on a map today. And remember, God's given victory over these nations around there. The Midianites we looked at last week, uh, others as well. And tonight we're gonna see that though they were all called to go there into the promised land, a few of these tribes, actually ended up being two and a half tribes, decided they didn't wanna go in that they were comfortable east of the Jordan. And there's a lot of application for us here because we know when we came to Christ, it was the Lord calling us out of the world to himself. And then from there, he's called us to walk in abundant life, seeking Jesus first, bearing spiritual fruits and so forth. And we know in the Old Testament, God called Israel out of Egypt through the shed blood of a lamb. Then they were in that wilderness and he said, come into the promised land. And that's that picture of, again, remember a land of milk and honey. That's the picture of a fruitful Christian walk. Unfortunately, there are too many Christians that come out of Egypt through faith in Christ, but then they flounder in the wilderness. They never really grow in the Lord. They never, you know what, really prosper in the Lord. They're saved by grace through faith, but then they don't seek after him daily. And a lot of those folks end up just having a dry, mundane Christian life. And then there's others that are even somewhere between the promised land and the wilderness. And we're going to talk about that tonight because, again, they were not in the wilderness. They were there north in the region of Jordan, but they still never crossed over. And they kind of wanted to have a little bit of the spiritual, a little bit of their own way as well. And it's really a picture of double-mindedness. And we're going to see in the long run, it wasn't to their benefit. It was to their demise. So hopefully as we go through this, that will all come clear and we can get some good things out of here. So let's start by reading the first five verses. <clears throat> it says, Now the children of Israel and the children of Gad had a very, a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazir and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke with Moses to Eleazar the priest, to the leaders of the congregation, saying, At Toroth, Dibon, Jazir, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elihala, Sheban, Nebo, and beyond the country. Repeat that back to me right now. <laughs> I used to have a dog named Bebon, but this is beyond here. You know, you get those goofy names for our dogs. Verse 4 The country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is the land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, If we found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession and do not take us over the Jordan. Now again, God had called them to go over the Jordan into the promised land. Remember Abraham, when he first was called to that land, he was east of the Jordan where his father worshiped false idols. And he called them out of there and called them across the Jordan in that land of Canaan. He said, this is the land I want to give you. And now at this point, some 500 years or so have passed. God's getting ready to move them into the promised land. But again, Along the way, he's giving them victory over these nations that are in modern-day Jordan. If you, again, you look on a map, they're right there east of uh, Israel. And in the midst of even being in the wilderness and giving them victory, they're out in the wilderness, and God's blessing them immensely. I mean, this first verse really is a miracle, and that you've had two million people out in the wilderness, and uh, you know what? 
two twelfths or one sixth of of you know the tribes Reuben and Gad somehow in the wilderness have accumulated a great multitude of livestock you talk I mean when we're talking about miracles of God has that one ever come up I mean a miracle from God and God's blessed him with the great multitude and and blessed him with those things and you know in the midst of the blessings of the Lord we want to acknowledge the blesser because as he's given them a great multitude of livestock we're in a great a greatly blessed people tonight we really are I know it's easy for us to uh, be short-sighted in that because we live in a in a culture that is very uh, complaint oriented and seems to be more fixated with what we don't have than what we have but if we really step back and see that we, what we have we, we are the wealthiest people in the history of the world and you even begin to look around and compare us today with many other places where we're incredibly blessed with livestock so to speak and that's something listen you only have to be ashamed of that if you're not thankful to God and if you don't use what he's given to you for his glory and I know that today there's a lot of you know you know if you if you're blessed with with blessings from God you're supposed to be ashamed no you should only be ashamed if you're not thankful and if you just hoard those things and don't use those things to bless others and to glorify God because again he is the giver of good gifts and so we want to take note of that. But again, a, a miracle here, a very great multitude of livestock in the middle of the wilderness for 40 years. And then here they are with all this livestock. They're called to cross the Jordan in this promised land, but they begin to look around. And they say, hey, we have this livestock, and here's some land. So their eyes get on the livestock and the land, but to do that, they have to get their eyes off the Lord. Because God had called them to cross that Jordan because there was something greater than the land and the livestock it was the Lord Jesus coming to be the savior of the world and God has separated Israel you know what the 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 main purpose behind that was to bring forth the Messiah of the world through uh, through Israel to bless every family uh, upon upon the face of the earth if you go back to that original promise there in Genesis 12 but in the midst of having the gospel before them that call to be the vessel that brings the savior of the world to be separated from the nations around them they get their eyes off the lord their eyes off on the livestock and on the land and they also had lost sight of the fact that god even gave them victory over those nations east of the jordan to give them confirmation to build their faith that when they go into canaan they're going to take those giants down that their predecessors the generation before remember they went in and they saw those giants and they said we can't take them even though God said get your eyes on me I'm bigger than those giants so no doubt this was God blessing them wanting to build their faith giving them victory even over giants east of the Jordan River that's what that was for but again their eyes got off the Lord and their eyes got fixated on their livestock and the land and listen far better to have your eyes on the Lord than your livestock and the land because you can manage the livestock and the land a lot better when your eyes are on the Lord in the first place. So with this said, they go and ask Moses. And listen, we don't read anything about them saying, it doesn't say the chiefs of Gad and Reuben and the elders got together to seek the Lord. It doesn't say that at all. Instead, they went and they asked Moses. And no doubt they didn't seek the Lord because their eyes were on the land and the livestock. And they said, hey, give us this land. We don't want to cross over. And again, it's a picture of where I think a lot of believers fall into today, where they've been called out of Egypt. Maybe they even have spent seasons in the wilderness, and then they start getting near that promised land of walking in that spirit-led life. Jesus calls it abiding in him, where he says, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit, and apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And they get into that place where in the wilderness, but you know what, they start maybe partially abiding in the Lord and seeing the fruit in that, but they really don't want to take that full step. And they get in that place where, again, they acknowledge the Lord, but they get more fixated on the livestock and on the land. And then their main concern, you know, concerns revolve around provisions and comfort and blessing. And they convince themselves, if they have all those things, they're going to be happy. And they get little concern about the spiritual things and the souls of people. And I think the enemy loves to get Christians in that place. I think he's fine even saying, let me get here. Let me, I'll, give you, I'll give you some more cattle. I'll give you some more land. You know, as long as you stay here east of the Jordan and you don't want to cross over into the promised land, he's perfectly fine in that. Some might call that carnal Christianity. Some might call it double-mindedness. But these things are written for our example. And so even as we start here tonight, is your eyes more fixated on the Lord or livestock and land? In livestock and land, we could just, you know, count up any of those blessings that God gives to us, which we should thank him for but we want to be careful that we're not so caught up in those that we're forgetting where those blessings come from and why we're here. We're here, to, we're here to serve God. We're here to be about his business. And again, in that livestock and land, he'd want us to serve him in those things. But these guys are, again, eyes on livestock and land off of the Lord. Now notice verse 6. Moses throws a pretty good rebuke on him. Let's read 6 down through 15. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to, the land, to see the lamb. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel so they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not, fully, uh, have not wholly followed me, except Caleb, the son of, of Jephunneh, the Kinzanite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. What a wonderful thing for the Lord to say about you, that you wholly follow the Lord. And then verse 13, it says, So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And then notice verse 14, And look, exclamation point, you have risen in your father's place a, a brood of sinful men to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel, for if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness and you will destroy all these people. So Moses brings a rebuke against them. He says, listen, we've been called to go into Canaan to make war against the Canaanites and take the land that God has given to us. Are you gonna allow your brothers to go do that while you just stay here and as you just sit here? And then again, he reminds them you're, you know, this proposal sounds like the pattern of your fathers, who again were called to go into that land and then they refrained because again, they saw those giants and said they're too great for us. And then he reminds them that first generation passed away. It was to their demise. To be gripped by fear and not walk by faith was absolutely to their demise, even though they were thinking, if I refrain from walking by faith, it will be for my benefit. And boy, isn't that so oftentimes the case with us, where God says, step out of faith, 
And we say, no, I'm better off being gripped by fear over here or being led by my fears. If I step by faith, all these bad things are gonna happen. And it's never to our benefit when we don't step out on faith. It's always gonna be to our demise. And so Moses reminds them of that. And he says, listen, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in sin in this. You're, you're a brood of sinners and you're in danger of provoking the Lord to anger. And you know what? He, again, he counts, he, he, he throws out how this is gonna affect everybody else. And they hadn't been thinking about that either. Because what happens is when you eat your eyes off the Lord and just land on livestock, how are you gonna love your neighbor if you're not loving the Lord? The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. And so if you're not loving him first, you're not gonna be able to love your neighbor in a biblical way. And how do we know we love the Lord? It says in 1 John, we keep his commandments. And they really weren't keeping the commandments of God. God had said, cross that Jordan River and go through it. That's what God had said. And they started saying, well, let's second guess this here. We have all this livestock. Here's land that's great for livestock. Hey, we got an idea. They don't ask the Lord at all. They go straight to Moses. Moses, again, cautions them, warns them about discouraging the rest of the tribes, that this could be a stumbling block to everybody. What if they follow your lead and no one wants to go over? Because there was enough land east of the Jordan. There was more land east of the Jordan than west of the Jordan. They could have said, hey, this is Israel right here. We're just going to stay right here. But again, Moses knew the call of God to go into that land of milk and honey. And there's a truth in this because, see, as followers of the Lord, God has called all of us to take up our cross daily and follow him, to be found abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's called all of us to engage in that spiritual warfare that we talked about last week. But unfortunately, there is a lot of believers who choose to live carnally. They don't have a, a regard for the call of God upon their lives and there's too many believers that are sitting while there's a remnant that are warring and there's a there, there's too many that are talking while there's a remnant that's praying and there's too much of a of a, of a remnant that's just getting or a, a, a hole that's just getting served versus a remnant that's serving and this is where we want to each one just want to step back and say what am i fixated with land lives and livestock or the lord you know what am i doing with my life Am I engaged in the battle or am I just sitting here saying, well, you guys go over here. Why, why sit over here? And we're all gonna, again, give an account for our lives and so forth. And um, listen, if you're like, even tonight, maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh man, you know, this, this, I don't wanna hear this. You know, how do I even get there? Because my life just revolves around livestock and land. Well, listen, start by bringing that before the Lord and be honest with them. And I'd encourage you just to start with a, with a, with a prayer life. Just start praying. Start exercising that, that call to pray. We all have a call to pray. And, and, and from there, begin to ask the Lord to begin to open doors for you and show you so that you can begin to make steps again uh, towards the, the, the west side of the Jordan versus drifting more of the east of the Jordan, spiritually speaking, of course. Verse 16. Then they came near and said to him, uh, came near to him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones but we ourselves will be armed and ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place and our little ones who dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land, we will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel have received his inheritance for we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. So they're backtracking here. 
Before they were saying, hey, we want this. There's livestock or, or land. We have livestock. We want to stay here. Moses rebukes them. And instead of them saying, hey, you're right. The Lord's called us into that land, onward Christian soldiers. They step back and they say, well, we got another proposal. How about if we do it this way? We set up, you know what, sheep folds for our livestock. Now they add their little ones. We get our little ones settled in. Now you got land, livestock, and little ones. And then when it's time to go to war, we'll arm ourselves. We'll go over there, and then we'll come right back over here. And I guess some ways this is good because they're saying, hey, we'll do our due part. We'll serve our quota. But the aim was to do what was required of them to a minimal degree, just enough to suffice, and then we're gonna go back after the fact. Because God, again, had not called them to that land east of the Jordan at this point. He called them, again, west of the Jordan. That was the land of Canaan. And this is just, again, a picture of limiting our life to the Lord versus saying, I wanna present my life a living sacrifice to God. And Lord, if you call me to go full in, I wanna go full in but looking again for a middle ground. You know, and how can I appease the Lord by still getting what I want? Have you ever been there before? The Bible calls it being double-minded. And this is a double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. Verse 20, then Moses said to them, if you do this thing, if you arm yourself before the Lord for war and all, and, and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep, which was really just rebuilding what they had already just wrecked. And do what has proceeded out of your mouth. So he says, listen, if you do this, then you can go back. And again, it wasn't fully going back into the wilderness, but it wasn't, it absolutely wasn't being in the promised land. It was somewhere in the middle, somewhere between the wilderness and the promised land. We, we, we want a little bit of both lives. And he says, if you don't do this, you need to know, I'm gonna hold you to your word here. And if you don't do it, you need to know you're not gonna get away with it, that your sin absolutely will find you out. And isn't that always the case? And if your sin doesn't find you out here, it's gonna find you out one day there when you stand before the Lord. First Timothy 5.24 says, some men's sins are clearly evident preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. And there's so many passages that talk about the judgment seat of God and so forth. So again, your sin's gonna find you out. And, and, and listen, that's a, that's a phrase that, that, that has, has been the centerpiece, again, of so many sermons kind of taken out of this, your sin will find you out. You know, repent because if you think you're gonna get away with your sin, you're not. Eventually, the Lord's gonna call you out on that. So listen, far better to repent and get forgiven than have your sin find you out because if all of us tonight had our sin find us out versus our sin being forgiven, everyone in this room, would, this room would be in big trouble, would we not? We absolutely would. But praise God, he says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we're cleansed, we're cleansed. I, I take that as it's no more. It's separated as far as the east is from the west. 
Now, again, practically as believers, our positionally we're right before him, practically we're still gonna give an account for our lives. So listen, God hasn't called us to the wilderness. He hasn't called us to Jordan. He's called us to dwell in the land of milk and honey, and that's found abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, not somewhere in the middle. Not, you know, when people say, well, the Lord says he'd rather us be hot or cold, but not lukewarm, he'll spew us out of his mouth. And, and that's the idea of this place of Jordan, but really that's not what's conveyed there in the scriptures. That's talking about mixing opinion with God's word. God doesn't want you cold. God doesn't want you lukewarm. You know where he wants you? He wants you to be on fire for him. That's where he wants you to be. Verse 25. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spoke to Moses saying, your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our livestock will be there in the cities of Gilead but your servants will not cross over every, armed, every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, just as my Lord says. Now listen, a couple of things with this. They would do what they said they were going to do. When it was time to go in, they went in with them. They helped conquer that land, and then they went back. And not only did they go back, it wasn't just Gad and Reuben, those two tribes, but it ends up saying half the tribe of Manasseh, which was a massive tribe, joined them as well, on the other side of the Jordan. And at first and initially, it seemed like it was good. But listen, if you go through the scriptures and you follow this thread through it, in the long run, this would prove to be a costly mistake. This would prove to be to their detriment. Because as we read in the scriptures about the northern tribes going into captivity uh, at the hand of Assyria, and as we read about even before that time, the nations around Israel warring with the nations of Israel, if you follow that thread, you'll find that Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were the first tribes to go into captivity. And think about this geographically. If you're familiar at all with Israel, these things are geographical hedges to protect them from the enemy. You go and see the Jordan River today, it looks like, it looks like about the Salinas River at its high point. It looks like a creek. It wasn't that back then. Back then, it was absolutely a, a, a good-sized river that God had to do a miracle to split for them to even go into Canaan. And then you go from there, and, and what do you find? You, you find mountain ranges. Again, Jericho's right there on the other side of the Jordan River, and then you have to ascend to Jerusalem. And it's, it's, it's not like just some little short trip. It is a windy, long trip that you have to go up to. And then even if you go north, what do you find? The Golan Heights. You ever hear that in the news today? And Israel, they wanted the Golan Heights in that war in 67. Why? Be because it's a strategic, uh, you know, if they, don't have, if they didn't have that, Damascus and, and, you know what, Syria would march right on them today. These were all hedges that God had put up. He didn't want them over there because, again, he had good things for them in the land of milk and honey, but practically these were hedges that God had put up for them. These guys didn't want that. They were more concerned with livestock and land than with the Lord. And hear this, the more you get out of God's perfect will for you, the lower those hedges will get around your life. It's an absolute truth. If you say, I wanna fudge the books and I want this foot with the Lord, but I want this foot in the world, I don't want to just fully go off and be in the wilderness. I kind of want to serve the Lord, and I kind of want to serve the world. You're in that middle ground. And I guarantee you, you want to be in that middle ground, 
those hedges are going to get lowered down because God does not want you in that middle ground and he'll even allow you know the enemy to have a little bit more room to afflict you we're going to come to that in a second to be a thorn in your side and that thorn in your side there is not to try to ruin your good time you know what in Jordan it is God saying listen I'm going to allow you to be pricked so that you get fully over into the land of milk and honey that you say I want to fully abide in the Lord Jesus Christ so those hedges would get lowered and these would be the first tribes to be taken into captivity. And then if you follow the thread even farther into the New Testament, we know some were taken into captivity. There would always be a remnant that would be left and then when they came back from captivity, they did what most people would do. They went and they resettled where they were taken from. And in Mark chapter five, we read about a guy named Legion. Are you familiar with him? And Legion was east of the Jordan River. In the country of Gardanius, which if you break that down, what's the first three letters? It's Gad. Decapolis was also called. And those were the descendants of the children of Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And here's a man over here with 2,000 demons out of his mind. They can't control them. They, they have no way to control the demonic. You don't really read about those type of demonics at least that extreme in israel the lord would cast out demons but you don't read about anything that's legion like that that is that is west of the jordan they again they 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 end up shackling this guy or trying to shackle him in a cemetery and he's got a buddy too and they break the shackles and they cut themselves and all these things they're running around completely nude and jesus with a heart for this this demon possessed man leaves the multitude and he crosses the sea of galilee and he goes to the, the, the land of Gadara, Gad, Decapolis, several words, names for it, but it was this land. And he goes and he finds this man. Remember, he cast the demons out of him and he sets the guy free. But when he cast the demons out, remember the demons are saying, don't send us into the abyss. And they say, send us into those pigs. And so the Lord allows that to happen. And have you ever thought, boy, what's Jesus doing over there? That's someone's income. Because the demons go into those pigs and what do they do? They run off the cliff and they run right down there in, in, into the water. And have you ever thought, boy, Jesus, that's harsh. That's someone's livelihood. And then, and I'll, wrap, I'll bring this full circle here in a second. Then the people come out because they saw that the pigs are gone and they see the man sitting in his right mind and they say, we don't want you here, Jesus. You need to go. That's the fruit of this decision right here. All those hundreds of years later. And, and you got all these problems here because, again, you got a demon-possessed man that they can't handle. Listen, you got to walk in the Spirit if you want to deal with a demonic. You're going to have a hard time dealing with the demonic if you want to hang out in Jordan, and especially if you want to be in the wilderness. On top of that, what in the world are these Jews doing as pig farmers? <laughs> They're still under the Levitical law. They should have been herding sheep out there. In fact, didn't this start about the livestock? We got cattle, we got sheep, we got clean animals. And now what are they doing? They're herding pigs over here. And then in the midst of this miracle, the Lord Jesus himself is there. And they said, we don't, we don't want you here. See, the more you get fixated with the livestock and the lamb the farther you get away from the Lord and the lower the hedges get. The beautiful thing about the whole thing, you know what the redeeming thing about it is, is that Legion then wanted to walk with the Lord and become one of his disciples and he said, no, 
You need to go back there. You need to go back to Decapolis. You need to go back to that place and you need to tell them about me. And he went and he did that. And the second time the Lord came through, they came out by the masses to worship the Lord and hear the gospel. Boy, you talk about the mercy and grace of God. But that's what happens when, when, when again, you want to be in that middle ground, when you want to be in that place of Jordan. So let's read out the end of the chapter here. In fact, I don't know if I'll read all of it, but it says in verse 28, so Moses gave command concerning, uh, to them concerning, uh, concerning them to Eleazar the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the chief fathers and tribes of the children of Israel. So he wanted them to be accountable because Moses knew that he was about to die. God already told him, you're gonna see the promised land, but you're not gonna enter in. So he says they need to be held accountable. Get Eleazar the priest, Joshua, who's gonna take my place of leadership and tell them. And basically he recaps what he said to them it says Moses said to them if the children of Gad the children of Reuben cross over the Jordan with you and every man armed for battle before the Lord and the land is subdued before you then you shall give them the land of Gilead as a possession um, but if they do not cross over armed with you then you shall have possession among the land of Canaan and this is God's grace as well um, if, if, if they don't cross over um, with you they're still going to have a possession in the land. You talk about the mercy of God. I'm, I'm still going to have a place reserved for them. So if they ever get ready to come over, there's going to be a place for them. That's a glorious thing. You know, they're, they're over here, and it's easy for them to start thinking, we can't go over there. And he said, if they stay over here, there's always going to be a place for them over here. And isn't that so good with God? You're in that place of being double-minded, carnality, even in the wilderness, and you're thinking, boy, is there room over there for me? Is there room for an on-fire Christian? Is there room to go abide in the Lord? And he says, there's always room. There's always room to come over. And some of them eventually would. And they'd eventually even get some settlements over there. But again, many others would still stay on that other side. Then the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answer, saying, as the Lord has said to your servants, we will do. We will cross over armed before the Lord in the land of Canaan, but the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us on the other side of Jordan. They just keep emphasizing that. We'll go over, but we're our possessions over here. And again, you think about that, where do you want your possession to be? Do you want your possession to be here or over there? And as I talk about that, I'm not talking about, you know, even those fruits of the Spirit versus just living a comfortable Christian life, but do you want your rewards to be in this life or do you want to be in the next life when you stand before the Lord? storing up your treasure in heaven. And they were, they were perfectly fine with saying, we want our inheritance over here in this middle ground. And again, there's so many believers that they say, I'm fine as long as I'm comfortable here, as long as I'm not stretched here, as long as I have all of my needs met here. Um, I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm basically pursuing, for the most part, the things the world is pursuing, but I'm doing it more in a clean manner. As long as I have that, I'm happy. I'm not really worried or concerned at all about a, eternal possession i've heard people i just want to get there yeah but when you get there we're going to give an account for our life here and there's going to be a lot of weeping up there saying man what I, i've squandered my life i wasted my life i was just caught up with livestock and lamb versus being caught up with the lord and jesus talks about it many times store up your treasure in heaven where neither moth can you know it destroy and and, and rust can can't destroy it and thief can't steal it so Moses gave the children of Gad, the children of Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, I told you they'd pop up, the sons of Joseph, the kingdom of Shion, uh, 
king of the Amorites and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land with the cities within the borders, the cities of the surrounding country. And the children of Gad built Dibon, Atroth, and Aor, Atroth, uh, Shaphan, Jazar, Jogbiha, Beth Nimrah, Beth Haran, fortified cities and sheepfolds for the sheep. And let me ask you, have you ever heard of any of those places? Verse 37, and the children of Reuben built Heshbon and Elia and Kurjathim and Nebo and Baal Meon, their names being changed from Shimba and gave other names to the cities which they built. And the children of Mishar, the son of Manasseh, went to Gilead and took it and disposed of the Amorites who were in it. And Moses gave Gilead to Mishar, the son of Manasseh, and he dwelt in it. Also, Jair, the son of Manasseh, went and took its small towns and called them Haveth Jair. Then Nobah went and took Kenneth and its villages, and he called them Nobah after his own name. And again, you, you don't know where these places are because they were taken into captivity and so forth. So, um, you know, I'm going to stop right there. We'll start into that the next chapter next week. There's a lot of good things there. And um, I think there's a lot of things for us to consider here. And again, we should just ask our question or ask ourselves that question. Am I, are my eyes on the Lord or again, the livestock in the land? Where are my eyes? What, 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 what is my aim in life? To live that comfortable Christian life or to say, I wanna walk by faith because walking by faith is always gonna be, again, to our blessing and benefit and the other at the time might seem a lot more comfortable but in the long run it's always it's always to the detriment it just absolutely is heavenly father we thank you tonight and we just thank you for your word lord we thank you for time of worship tonight and fellowship and prayer and bible study lord and i pray god we can consider these things lord i want to pray god that we'd be a people that don't try to negotiate with you but instead would be a people that say yes lord Yes, Lord. Let us not try to negotiate that call to abide in Jesus Christ, but I would open pray that daily we'd say, yes, Lord, I wanna put you first, Lord. I wanna seek after you first. God bless the rest of our time here. And Lord, you know, you know everyone's heart here tonight. Listen, if you haven't called on the name of Jesus Christ, you know, we read that verse about your sin finding you out and our sins would separate us from the living God. He is holy, sin brings death, sin is rebellion. God's not bringing that into his kingdom. Again, the good news is that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he lived a sinless life, and he went to the cross of Calvary to pay the penalty of our sins. That's why Jesus died, because the wages of our sin was death, and Jesus died for our sins, but praise God, death couldn't hold him. When he rose from the grave, he conquered sin and death, and if we put our trust in him, we can know our sins are forgiven and we won't be subjected to the second death called hell, but we know we'll have eternal life with Jesus Christ in a place he calls heaven. And tonight, if you haven't called on him, I would so encourage you to do so. Listen, there's room for you. There's room for you in the kingdom of heaven. So I'd encourage you, ask him to be your Lord, which means you are turning from whatever your Lord is. You're saying, this will no longer be my Lord. I wanna turn from that that's what repentance is and by faith i put my faith in jesus and he'll meet you where you are he'll begin a good work in you he will be faithful to complete it so again if you don't know him call on him and lord bless the rest of our night our fellowship our our, our uh lord 
journeys home and so forth. And we ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. God bless you.